Well, this morning we're going to actually sort of finish the series in the book of Galatians. There are a few verses left that we might uh, tack on a little bit later sometime in the, the year to come. But really, this is, this is the conclusion of, of Paul speaking into a group of Christians. And hopefully that's what you see happens every day. You, you're around God's people, whether it be in a small group or a, or a large worship service where we gather together to, to sing praises to him, hear God's word, pray with one another, uh, share our gifts and resources to him and his ministry. It's all about really discovering the Christ that has come for us. In fact, in Galatians 4.4, 4, it says, At the appointed time, God sent forth his son. And that's out of the book of Galatians. But it's interesting when you think about Christmas, and Christmas in many ways is the big event on the calendar. But as you look at it, really the Bible talks about that Easter really is the big event on the calendar. And you can see that just by looking at the the volume of material found in the Gospels. Uh, How many Gospels are there? There are four. And you might be surprised if you haven't looked at it recently that only two of them speak about Christmas. Mark doesn't talk about it, and John, other than in a figurative way, in John 1.14, doesn't really give any of the details about Christmas. Now, it's not saying it's not important, because if Jesus did not come, then he could not come to the, come to the cross, which is the reason he came. Jesus did, uh, came to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. But when we think about people having a merry Christmas, I want you to understand it's all about really discovering who he is in a deep personal way. And I want want you to understand as as we think about that, that as we think about Christmas, it's it's all about Jesus inviting us into into community with him. That, That he wants us to have relationship with him. We sang about it this morning, um, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, which is a title of Jesus, is a name of Jesus, means God with us. And we know another portion of Scripture says not only can God be with you at Christmas, that he can be in you as you experience him through his grace, invite him into your life to, to be your Lord and Savior. But what I want to submit to you, and this morning, um, though it's, it's really all about Merry Christmas, understanding what Christmas is all about, entering into community with Jesus. Community, a communion, relationship with Jesus. It, it, it's something else that God invites us to, to do and experience, not only at Christmas, but every day of our life. Not being only in, being invited in community with him, but in community with his people that know him. When Jesus came, what he did, he says, I will build my church. The first time the word church was used is Matthew 16. As God invites us not only into a relationship with him, but with each other. And, and I want to submit to you that you really don't enter into a deep relationship with Jesus unless you enter into a deep relationship with his people. I, I saw, a, you know, there's all kinds of things on Facebook. If, if, if you can't speak to me, then don't speak to my husband. Anybody see that little thing on? I guess you weren't on that Facebook page, all right? You know, there's all kinds of things. If you really can't love me, if you can't love my children, uh, then don't be talking to my wife or don't be talking to me. And really, as, as you look at, God's word, it really speaks about if you're really going to know Jesus, then you need to love his children. You need to be in community with him. Now, the reason I say this is because we're in a series in the book of Galatians, and we just talk about what God gives us, not like Christmas, but every day we walk with him. And you can't beat his gifts. Have you discovered that? You know, what does he give to us? He gives us love and joy and peace. Anybody not want that? And as you think about his relationship with us, he's pretty patient with us. He's kind with us. 
As you think of all the attributes of, the, of, the, of walking in the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, that's what God gives us. And as Paul ends this letter to the, book of Gal- to the people in Galatia and all the churches there and all the Christians there, he invites them to realize that this is, this is the gifts God gives you. This is the fruit of knowing him. But I, I want you to understand this is only lived out in relationship, not only with me, but with others. And so this morning, I want, to, what I want to invite you into a caring community. First of all, with the living God, if you believe he is the living God, and that Jesus came to announce and explain all that God is as he entered history as a man and lived it from the cradle to the cross and then the resurrection. But he invites us to experience that in relationship with each other. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 6. If you don't have one, grab one um, in the chair that you're sitting on or around you and, and turn to Galatians chapter 6. And what I want to talk about this morning is, is God is calling us into a caring community, a caring relationship, if you want to take that word community. He's called us into relationship with him. He cares for us. The Bible says, uh, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. But he invites us to be in a caring community and be caring while we are in that community. And you need to understand that everyone has its part, has their part to play in this community called the church. And if we really care, not only just in word or in tongue, but indeed in truth, it, it, will, it will work its way out in action and commitment to one another. So let's look at it this morning. Galatians chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. Paul writes this, Brethren, uh, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourselves so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Now, this morning, in case I, I don't communicate it clearly, I'm, I'm really all I talk about Merry Christmas is all about being invited into God's community. Community in relationship with him, and then community, community in relationship with God's people. And when you do that, then you experience the fruit of, of knowing, knowing God in an intimate, communal way. The, the word for community, uh, describing the church, one of the words for that is koinonia, fellowship, sharing, partnership, mutuality. And, and that's what happens when we enter a relationship with the living God, but also with his people. But as you think about that, what will disrupt our, our joy in the Lord or experiencing peace with, with, with him and with people is that there are people involved. And, and so as he talks about this, he said, I want you to understand, as I've just told you what you get, I want you to understand that you get to give. And, and God wants us to recognize, just like he does with us, that we are to do with each other. It's interesting, community is such a big word now in so many different places. I was reading an article by... An individual, and it was, here it was titled, Why Selling Community Comes First. Commonly known as your target market try, by reframing it as your community. It's something now known as if you're really going to do well in selling a product, uh, forming a company, uh, developing relationships that are going to profit you, you've got to build community. And, and, and you can see that, whether people are selling soap, or whether they're uh, dealing with cosmetics, or whether they are... Uh, advertising or promoting their exercise community. Uh, it's all about building a people who will, who will now identify with them. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. God wants us to develop with community with people, but you need to realize there is the community, and it's the community called the church. And that community that's, that's, that's centered on Christ, who in, he invites us into relationship. And it's a, a, a relationship that has depth to it. 
You know, we don't, we don't date the church. We, we commit to the church. We become the bride of Christ. We say, I do, and all that's involved in it. And if we really care about this relationship, then we realize that, that we all have a part to play. We all have responsibilities to live out. And I want to run through a few of them this morning. We need to care enough to pick up people when they stumble. Have, have you ever fallen any time? I mean, just even physically. You ever been in a situation where you've fallen and, and, uh, and, and all of a sudden uh, the crowd is around you and you're just hoping someone lifts you up? And that's what he's saying here, is that, that we can all fall, but when we fall, who's there to, to, to bring us up? But what he's talking about here is, is not just falling physically, but re- respo- re- falling in things that really matter. He says, brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, now, this is a fancy word to say sin. When, when anything, any of you get caught up in things that, that cause you to, to drift away from the living God, do you have anybody in your life that will, who cares enough to come alongside you and say, look, at the, the, you, you need to change your course direction. You, you need to be helped when you're going through what you're going through. And right now, I just visualize in your hard mind, if, if you're drifting spiritually, who would have um, the responsibility in your life Maybe because you gave them permission or they just care enough, whether you gave them permission enough, to come alongside you and saying, hey, there, there needs to be some things in your life that need to change. There needs to be some steps you need to take because you've now fallen into a, a pattern which is going to cause you to drift away from Jesus. Now, as we think about who are the people who are supposed to do that? Now, most of the time when we think about it, well, that's the pastor's job, right? When, when someone goes astray, the the, the the, the shepherd needs to go get the sheep. But you know what he's saying here is this is a qualification for anyone who considers themselves to be spiritual at all. We'll say, okay, that, that, that leaves me out because I don't think I'm that, that spiritual. Well, let, let's, let's, get, let's get rid of the mystery of what it means to be spiritual. A spiritual person is simply one who is relying upon the Spirit. Are, are you relying upon the Spirit in your life right now? Do you desire to, to be and to do what He wants you to do? If that be true, then, then you need to realize that you have a part to play. There ought to be people in your life that you're so concerned about when you see them drifting away spiritually that you're willing to come alongside them and see, and see how, can I, how can I lift them up? How, how can I pick them up when they fall? How can I encourage them when, when things are going wrong? So who, who are the ones who are supposed to pick people up? Uh, you could put it very simply, those who are spiritual. And who are those who are spiritual? Those who have the Spirit of God living in them and desire to please Him. And, and hopefully you qualify in that definition. If not, then, then someone needs to come alongside you and, and lift you up and, and cause you to go down a direction in which you will please the living God. Well, what are you supposed to do when you, when, when you see someone stumble? When you see someone get caught up in a, in a pattern that's not pleasing to God, well, you understand that he, he wants us to restore that person. Well, what does it mean to restore? It's an interesting word in the original language. It really means it has an orthopedic perspective on it. It means if, if someone stumbles and dislocates or breaks a bone, then you kneel down and, and you try to do whatever you can to, to reset it or, or put it back into place. Or sometimes it's used actually in the marketplace, if, if, particularly in that day. A lot, of, a lot of the industry was out there on the Sea of Galilee where they were, they were catching fish or trying to catch fish. And it, it's pretty hard to catch many fish if the net you throw out has a lot of what in it? 
a lot of holes in it. And, and so what they had to do on a daily basis is they had to look at their nets and they had to find out where it was torn and, and how they could mend it. And, and what he's saying here is that sometimes that people are going through some things and, and, and they don't see where their life is torn or where there's some things that are out of place. And, and what you do is when, when they're in that fallen state, you come alongside them and, and you reset what's out of place. You, you, you mend that which is torn. You, you care enough to, to speak into their lives. But then you're thinking, well, okay, that, that's, uh, that's who's supposed to do it, anyone who has a li- the living God living within them because they, they're in community. They've experienced the, the merriness of Christmas because they've, they've, they've come into that place where it's not only God with us, he's, he's come, but he's now God in us because we invite him into our lives and we're now following him. And we desire to live a life controlled by the Spirit, influenced by the Spirit. And so I want to be that kind of a person in community that comes alongside others when they stumble or begin to simply to drift. And the second I need to, when that happens, what do I want to do? I want to discover what is it that's kind of wrong in their life? What is it that's out of place? What is it that needs to be repaired? And I'll do whatever I can to point them down the right direction or be there to help them up. But you ask that the question, well, how am I supposed to do that? What's the perspective there? It says, well, when you do it, you've got to be very careful because when you help someone else, sometimes when you help someone else, it comes across or maybe in your own heart that you feel like you're better than them. He said, not with that kind of attitude. You don't come alongside someone and say, well, I'm better than you are. You better get your act together. But you need to restore someone or mend that which is broken but do it with gentleness. Now, some of you are fully aware that one of my life goals is to be kinder and gentler, right? But, but I want you to understand that gentleness, which is has the idea when you do it, try, try to be nice when you do it, okay? But gentleness is not a weak word. In some of your translation, you have the idea of, it says meekness there. And some have heard this definition before, but meekness is, is power under control. And, and so when you do it, you, it's like when you correct a child, you don't want to do it out of, out of anger, right? You, you want to correct them, but don't do it when you're angry. Uh, deal with your anger first and then correct the child. And so you, you take that power which you have as a parent with a child and, and you put it under control, but then, you, but then you confront what needs to be confronted. And so as we think about really being called into community with the, with the God who cares enough to confront us, that, that we care enough to confront others. And when you, we see them drifting in all gentleness and love and care, and, and gentleness does not mean at times you're not firm with them, but you, you go to them in, 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 in caring love to, to lift them up. One way I guess you could define that would be this. What is gentleness? Is, is helping someone in the same way that you would like to be helped. I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, I, I need to be helped. Because I just want someone to put an arm around me and, and, just, and just encourage me, right? But, but sometimes when I'm getting stubborn, you know, I need a swift kick where? Okay, you don't have to answer that question, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, so, sometimes I need to have people just speak the truth to me. And just wake me up to maybe a direction I'm going. And isn't that how Jesus works with us as well? Sometimes he taps us on the shoulders, and sometimes he has to hit us with a two-by-four. Not literally, but he has to rock our world 
to, to understand that if we're in communion, in community with him, then he wants to rearrange what's going on in our life. So as we think about <laughs> being in community with the, the Christ of Christmas, we need to be in community with each other to the point where we're willing to pick people up when, when they do stumble and when they do fall. And I think inherently all this, we, we've got to have, be that kind of person that is willing for people to do that in our lives, right? It, it, it's, it's pretty, pretty difficult to really have a healthy relationship with people if, if you're only the, one of the, the person who wants to give advice, but not what? To take it and to receive it. And, and so as Paul writes into to this church, who, who he's just announced from, look at you guys, you get, you get all of God when you enter into a relationship with him. You get his love and his joy and his peace and his patience and his kindness. And he's good to you. And he's gentle with you. He's always under control. You don't have to worry if, if God just wakes up on the wrong side of the bed up in heaven and just annihilates you. He, he cares about you. But I want you to understand that what you receive, I want you to give. And, and things go wrong in life. And if we really are in community, then we're willing to pick people up when they stumble. But do it with the gentleness that God does with us. And he says in verse 2, when you do that, you bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. And, and the burden here, it's an interesting word. I, I don't want to spend too much time on this. But the word for burden here is that when people are going through something that's too heavy for them to carry on their own. So, sometimes we want to get out of the mess we're in, but we don't know what. How, to get out, how do I get out of this mess? I, I'm so messed up right now, and I've made some bad decisions that I, I, don't, know, I don't know how to, I don't know how to get out of this this course direction that will get me on the right path again. And so, so when you see someone who's just overwhelmed by what they're going through, then come alongside them and, and help them out. But then he goes on, and almost in contradiction, I mean, though the first couple of verses doesn't say this, he, he then says this, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So don't be prideful when you do this. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and, and not in regard to another, which simply has the idea where Jesus said, look, if you're going to get a splinter out of someone else's eye, you better get the what out of your own eye? That log, right? That plank or that four by six. I won't make it a two by four. You know, you got you to make sure before you, you help someone else that you've looked at your own life. And what are some things in my life that need to be changed if I think someone else's life needs to change or they're drifting? And let me just say that this is where the community of the church is, is unique in comparison to the communities, the micro-communities that are out in the world today. Because this is, this is coming along people and saying, look, at, I'm going to speak in your life where no one else speaks into, and that's in your life with, with Jesus. And I want to be there for I care enough with you to be there when you're carrying this load, and, and I want you to understand that you can... You can cast these burdens on the Lord, and I'll be with you as you go through this process. But then he says this, which is kind of interesting. He says in verse 5, for each one will bear his own load. Some of you say, some of your translations, for each one will bear his own burden. Well, wait a minute. I thought we're supposed to bear one another's burdens. Am I my brother's keeper? In the church, the answer to that is what? Yes. But then he says here, well, you need to bear your own burden. Well, what in the world does he mean here? Did he forget what he just wrote? I know Paul's getting a little older. He, in the end of this letter, he says, I'm writing to you in big letters because I can't see what I'm writing. Well, what's going on here? 
He, he doesn't make a contradiction here. He actually uses a different word. And, and the word in bear one another's burdens, come alongside someone who's heavy loaded. You know, maybe they've just tripped up and they didn't even know they got tripped up. But here he says, look at, there are burdens, there are loads that you got to carry yourself. And, and that's what he's saying. In fact, he says here, that this load is a light load. And I put in your outlines this way, bear one another's burdens, but be responsible for your own load. In our day and age, there's all kinds of self-help groups that sometimes really help people and sometimes they don't really help people. But is as you think about um, the whole business of caring for one another, is that you can care so much for someone that your, your, your kindness will what? Your kindness will kill them. That, you, that, you, that, that your, your love will, will so overwhelm them that you, you'll be taking responsibilities that they need to have on their own. And we call that codependency. It, is that when someone's going through something, you come alongside them, you think you're helping, but you're not helping them. You're enabling them. You understand that, what I'm saying here? And that's what Paul, and this is not new to contemporary psych, psychology. This has always been true. As we think about it, as as responsible people in community, not only do we need to help people when they're, they're, they're caring too much, but when they, when they begin to, to cry out for help, when they need to realize, look, you can carry this on your own. In fact, you need to carry this on your own. Um, I don't know if you've had this experience with children or grandchildren, but when they're, when they're learning to eat and there's all kinds of different foods and once they, they, they graduate to eating meat, okay, often what the parent or grandparent will do when, when the meat is put on their plate, they'll do what for them? They'll cut their meat, right? And, and, and you know, they, all of a sudden they get you know, bite-sized pieces, not too big, just the right size, and they, and they learn to eat adult food, all right? Now, now when they turn 18, all right, and they're still at your table and, and you're cutting their meat... What's wrong with that picture, all right? Because now, I mean, Al still does that for me, but, but um, you know, there, there comes a time where, where people need to cut their own meat, right? You know, when, when they first learn to brush their teeth, you, you help them brush their teeth, but again, if, if they're an adult and you're, you, they call you over every night and you're brushing their teeth for them, I'm pretty soon that Alice is going to have to do that for me because I'm getting older, but, but you know, there, there comes a time when you realize, look, no, this is your responsibility, the, the, this, is, this is something that you need to deal with. I was wondering, I was going to tell the story. I was with Tara. We were at the, at the Nutcracker, and I was sitting next to Diego, and Diego, you know, we were having a good time. And all of a sudden, Diego told me in the middle of the second act that he needed to change chairs with his mom. And, and I, I looked over, and I thought, okay. And then and Tara goes, no, he's just being needy. <laughs> now, only a parent can say that, all right? Cause, and then I found out later, well, he was... He was, he was um, he was putting his head on Tara's right hand. He had to lean to the right. And now he wanted to lean to the left, all right? <laughs> now, Tara came to that conclusion that he didn't need it at that moment, right? What, what, what was she doing? She said, I'm not going to bear that load for you. You, you can get through the, the second act without changing chairs. Now, all right, we're, we're just talking about a human, but that's true spiritually as well. And not only spiritually, but also in, in more important things of life. Um, before the, the turn of the second century, okay, when I was a youth pastor, I, you know, there would be times where I have uh, uh, guys and gals come up to me and said, you know, Mike, you know, as, you're, as my youth pastor, you need to do something for me. Okay, what can, must I do? You need to get me a boyfriend, and you need to get me a girlfriend. 
Now let me ask you, was that my burden or was that their burden? That was their burden, right? But, you know, even as adults, what I found is that sometimes people come to me within the community of Christ and they say, you know, people don't like me here. Or they don't respect me enough. Or, or people, they, people don't know me here. Now, I want to do everything I can to help that. But, look, if you want people to like you, you know what you can do is you like them. If you want people to listen to you, you listen to them. If, if people... If you want people to spend time with you, then you decide to spend time with them. There are certain loads you've got to carry. If you would like more people to pray for you, you pray for more people. Does that make sense? If you want to know more about God's Word, then you need to spend more time in what? God's Word. Now, we can give you all kinds of tools to do that. But you are as, as mature a Christian as you want to be. Because you have the tools to grow in your faith, but you need to realize that's your load. If you have intellectual problems with what the Bible, whether the Bible is true or not, that's your, that's your burden to find out, that there are answers to these things. And so Paul, as is, is he, is he, is he speaks in both different ways, I'm inviting you into community with Jesus. Jesus is doing all these things for you. And you need to realize in community, you need to care for people around you. You need to take people with heavy loads and come alongside them and help them in every way possible. But then he just simply says, oh, but you need to understand that you need to bear your own load as well. Paul goes on in this, in this passage where he's actually, this is a message where it's not superficial Christianity, is it? This is the real thing here. Where Paul, Paul is speaking powerfully into their lives and saying, look, you, you need to grow up. And you need to be committed to what God wants you to be committed to. You need to understand that the community, God's community, the church, is, is something that you've got to be all in on or you're going to have a superficial relationship with the living God and that fruit of the Spirit that you thought was just a gift to you, you've got to unwrap it and help other people unwrap it. He goes on in Galatians 5, 6, and it's hard to know whether this verse ties to verse 5 or the responding verses, but he says, the one who is taught the word is to share Interesting word there. It's the word koinonia. Uh, the, the word that you ought to have fellowship of all good things with the one who teaches him. Which simply says, look at what you receive, give out to others. You know, what, what you've been given, then give out to others as well. Share all good things with each other. But then he says this, do not be deceived. You know, almost every time in the Bible when it says do not be deceived or do not be afraid, what is true about the people they're talking to? That's exactly where they're at. You know, do not be afraid means that people that he's talking to are already, what? Afraid. Every time the angel shows up, probably a male angel, okay? Every time an angel shows up, the people are afraid. And so they have to say, do not be afraid. When he says, do not be deceived, the reason he said that is because they were what? They were deceived. They were, they were thinking one way, but God says, look, you're so far away from the truth here. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. And sometimes we think about that. Sometimes uh, uh, I was with little Jack, my grandchild, this morning, and, and uh, for some reason everybody else was in bed, and I was up trying to study, and he was up you know, early in the morning with me, and he started throwing blankets all over his face, all right? And, I mean, he, he thought he was hiding from me, right? And then he would you know, come out and start laughing, and then he'd pick up another blanket and put it over his head. He thought every time he did that, he couldn't be seen. Sometimes we're that way with God, aren't we? God must not be looking because I'm getting away with it, right? He says, no, don't be 
deceived. Don't feel like you're mocking God, which really literally means to, 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 to throw up your nose against God. I mean, just kind of look at him in a wild way. He says, For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And I would put it this way. You know, be excited about what's best. And what's best? The fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That's what's best. But then, then you have to realize, well, why am I not experiencing this? Because you need to understand it, it, that, you know, don't think God is mocked. Don't think you're hiding from God. Don't think I'm hiding from God. It's, it, it's really about where are you sowing and, where, and then the corresponding where you're reaping. If, if I am far from God, then why would I think that God should always give me his blessings? If I'm far from God, why would I think that I can experience the fruit of his spirit? If, if, I, if I'm not spending time with him, how would I think that I'm not going closer to him? He says, look, at, if you spend your energy pursuing the things of your own desires, which is really what the flesh is all about, that's what you're going to reap. That's what you're going to get from it. Now, if you pursue the, that which is from the Spirit, the things that God has for you, then you'll reap from that. And eternal life is always not only quantity of life, but quality of life. That's the life that God, through His Son Jesus, said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly, that it might be full and meaningful, that you might experience joy, not only joy, uh, but my joy, and my joy is a full joy. But you need to understand that it, it's really not so much what you pursue, but who you pursue. Be excited about getting what's best, but remember it's about who you pursue. And who are you pursuing? The Spirit of God in your life. That you want to reap for what He is willing to give to you. You know, Jesus you know, said that in so many different ways. In, in Matthew 19, verse 29 and 30, we won't turn to it because of time. But it's interesting. Jesus said, look, I want you to understand that sometimes, and let's be honest, there are things we say no to that we'd like to say yes to, right? There are things we make sacrifices for that we'd rather maybe be going down a, a different path or have a little more freedom to do some other things that we would like to do. And then he says this. I want you to understand that, that no one who sacrifices in this world will suffer loss in the world to come. And I want you to understand, this is the, probably the passage more familiar to all of us. You know, the people who are first in this world, they're going to be last in the next. And the people that are last in this world, they're going to be first in the life that comes. And, and we need another word. We never get cheated in our relationship with God. We, we just sometimes think in the temporal, and we, we think, well, in this period of time, I wish I could do whatever. And he said, look, when you sow to your own desires, I want you to understand that that's what you'll receive. But when you sow in the Spirit, you'll reap what the Spirit wants to give you. In Psalm 1611, it says, look, in his presence is fullness of joy. And then we've already listed the fruit of the Spirit over and over and over. Isn't that what we really want to reap? If we're going to reap that, then we need to sow our lives spiritually. You know, and let me just put it this way, as we think about that, you know, who are the people right now we're praying for that are far from God that we want to we speak into their lives this week? Who, who are the people that we're inviting? Who are the people we're going to maybe take that invite card and, and give to and say, hey, why don't you show up? Our opportunity to, with uh, 
one of the guys I play pickleball, and he gave me no immediately when I invited him. I said, well, you sure, you want to think about it? And okay, I'll think about it, all right? You know, who are we praying for? Who are we thinking about? Who, who are we saying, how can I saturate my neighborhood with invitations? How, how can we be people recognize that this, this is what really matters? Who are we pursuing, even more so than what we're pursuing? I was reading an article about Walt Disney, and, and in it, it was, he's kind of a, he was an amazing individual in so many different ways, but they said about this, all the things that have turned to gold in the midst of all his... his uh, uh, pursuits. They said this about him, however, because he almost lost it so many different times. But he said this about him. He never pursued things for the financial gain. He always pursued because he thought this, this would create happiness in the life of people. Now, I have no idea where he was spiritually, but at least he got it in this world. He, he, he just had ideas and he wanted to, he wanted to see them come to pass. As we think about people that we care about, we, we want that to come to pass, and we want to pursue with all that we have. And then, then Paul finishes with these words. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. I think it was uh, the Green Bay Packer coach um, that said this, you know, fatigue makes cowards of us all. There comes a time when we get tired, we just, we just want to stop, don't we? And then there is a time to get rest and refreshment. But as we think about it, when we have opportunity, I was just reading a passage in Proverbs this morning, that when we have opportunity to do good, take advantage of that opportunity to do good. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those of the household of faith. I put it this way in your outline. Do good to everyone, but especially to those you are most responsible for. Who are you most responsible for? You're responsible for your family. You're responsible for the people in your oikos, your relational world. You're responsible for people in God's church that you've committed to be involved in community with. And say, I, I, want, I want to take advantage of that because the Bible says, look, at, if I want good things to happen to me, then, then I need to understand that good things have happened to me. That's what God does. To me. He gives me good things. But he doesn't want me to just receive it. He wants me to now be a, a conduit that does good things to others. You know, and there's so many different practical ways we could look at this. But let me just put it this way. You know, we're we're going to have Christmas. Everyone here is going to have Christmas. And everyone we know is going to have Christmas. Something's going to happen on the 25th. But let me just say this. If any of you are going to have Christmas all alone, don't have it all alone. Find someone in, in the God's caring community called the church and say, hey, can I, can I have Christmas with you? And let me get as really practical this. If you have nowhere to go to Christmas, come to our house. The next day, Alice won't love me anymore, but no. No. <laughs> no. The reason I can say this is because that's, that's how Alice is. If you have no place to have Christmas, talk to me. 
And I thought this, uh, I know Patsy, she's got the gift of hospitality. If you don't like to come to my house, go to her house. <laughs> no, really, I'm just saying, have an open door policy. Is, is this is what community is all about, is recognize that, that we're called to, to be the people of God, to share with each other, to come alongside when someone falls and pick them up, to recognize that, that we are calling people to be responsible, that people need to learn to carry their own loads, that we also recognize that, that when, when, we've, when we kind of fall away a little bit, it's because we're, we're reaping where we've been sowing. And God said, look, if you want to reap what I can give you, then recognize who are you pursuing in life. And, and, and when you think about the action steps, God has been so good to you, now be good to someone else. Open up your heart. Open up your life. Do life together. I leave with this so what? Are you in a caring community? I, I, can, can you look at the church as not some place you attend, but you're part of and have a part to play? Are you in a caring community? And, and, and then if you say yes to that, which hopefully you can say yes to, if not, then we want to invite you into this community. Then, then the action step is that are you caring for this community? How, how, how can you now take what God has given you and say, I, I want to reach out to somebody else. I want to care for someone. I want to pray for. I want, I want to use whatever God has given me to, to be a blessing to somebody else. Let's pray together. Father, we, we, we are amazed that you cared so much that you left the, the throne of glory in heaven to land here on this, this planet that you created, but we messed up so much because of our own sin and rebellion. And Father, if there be anyone here this morning that doesn't know you, might, might we invite them into communion and community with the Savior by simply inviting them to admit their need and turn from their sin and I recognize they, they need a relationship with the living God. And then B, to believe that Jesus fully bridged that gap between us and you by dying on the cross for our sins and, and just covers all that is wrong in our life through his blood on the cross. And then make that choice even this morning to say yes to Jesus. Jesus, I want to know you. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life right now. I want to follow you. And Father, for us who know you, might, might we just recognize you've called us not only to know you, but to to make you known, to care about people in the church and outside the church, to do good to those we have opportunity to do good with, to show the love of Christ in concrete ways, practical ways. Help us to be the people of God. And we praise in Jesus' name. Amen.